All right. Hey, well, good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing so far? Kids doing good? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so last time I preached, I think we had kids in here as well, and I, I encourage you parents just knowing, like, I, I've kind of got a good gift at just tuning noise out. I oftentimes tune my own kids out, so don't worry about it. If your kid starts getting noisy, um, you're probably 10 times more stressed than anybody else in here, right? So I um, just want to encourage you with that. Um, we're going to be in, the, uh, in James chapter 1 today, finishing up that chapter. So I want to invite Vivian to come on up to read scripture this morning for us. So if you would stand for the reading of God's word as we do that. A reading from James, chapter 1, verses 22 to 27. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and at once goes away and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Vivian. Great job. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be finishing up James chapter 1 this morning. And I think, when I say this, I think I speak for everyone. When we tell somebody something and we are asking them to do something, it's important to us that that person listens, but then they actually do it, right? So, um, hypothetical situation, you drop your kids off at daycare and you tell them, hey, my kid is gluten-free, and then if they end up at snack time giving them a loaf of bread to eat, you're going to be like, what in the world are you doing? My kid's gluten-free, right? I don't think they hand out, you know, loaves of bread for snacks, but um, also, you know, like if you go to a restaurant and you order something and, and you ask for this on the meal and you're looking forward to it and they bring out something completely different, you're like, oh, like trying to be patient and nice, but you're like, I actually didn't order this, you know, and, and so there's things every day in life, whatever it may be, we, when we ask people to do something Right, we, we say it with the expectation that they're going to hear and the hope that they're actually going to do it, right? So James is making the same statement here in chapter one. And he's telling us, he says, look, be doers of the word and not just hearers. Okay, the text is saying if you hear the word or if you study it, but if you don't actually apply it to your life, it look, you know, he makes this illustration. He's like, it's like a person, if they were to look directly into the mirror and examine themselves and, and, and to see what they look like, but then as soon as they walk away, they immediately forget what they look like. It's like, how is that even possible? How, how do you examine yourself in the mirror and then immediately walk away forgetting what your eyes look like, forgetting what your hair look like, what your face look like? But James is saying, he's like, look, in the same way, he's like, when you, when you study the word, when you hear the word, and you walk away and you don't act on it, he's like, I don't know how that happens, but, 
But it's the same way as looking into the mirror and forgetting completely what you look like. And the passage says, it goes even further, it says, when this happens, we deceive ourselves. Right? We trick ourselves into thinking we actually care about something. Maybe, we, maybe we're moved by a text or moved by a sermon and we're like, oh man, I really need to do this or to apply this. But if we actually don't, we're just deceiving ourselves. We're simply being just a hearer of the word but not a doer. So a situation just... Um, for example, it'd be like, you know, uh, a set of parents, right? They, they um, are going to leave the house for a couple hours, but before they do so, they write down a list of chores for their kids to do while they're gone. And they're like, hey, I want you to do every single thing on this list. Mom and dad, um, you know, we're going to be back in a couple hours and we expect all these things to be done. So parents leave and then the kids, they start to read through the list, you know, one by one by one, and they're like, okay, we got it. But then, you know, then they read through it several times, and, and then they even memorize the list, right? Good for them. And they're like, you know what? I know what will make mom and dad really happy. We're going to make a sign on a wall hanging up in our room that says, thou shalt keep thy room clean. Mom and dad are going to be so impressed with this. Okay, so this is what they do for the few hours that mom and dad are gone. And then the parents get back and, and they realize they walk into the house and none of the chores are actually done. Okay, some of you parents may be able to relate. And so they walk in and, and they ask the kids, they're like, what, what happened? Right, we were very clear. It wasn't complicated. Clean the bathroom means clean the bathroom, Right. Get rid of the rings around the toilet. And so, and, and the kids are like, well, yeah, get, mom, dad, get, hear us out. We, we read through this, you know, not once, not twice, but multiple times. We even memorized the list. Check out this cool sign that we put in our room that says, thou shalt keep thy room clean. That's pretty good, right? Right? It'll remind us to keep the room always clean. And if that's the kids' response, what are the parents supposed to do in that situation? Like, wow, you, we're so proud. No, they're going to be frustrated and confused and be like, why did you not listen to us? And James is making the same argument when we hear the word, when we study it, but we don't actually do it. It's disobedience. Here's a common example in the church within our culture today, okay? So it would be like a... Um, a couple, you know, a couple who's dating, who are professing Christians, but they're not married. And so um, they're living together, and, and so they hear a sermon or they read the Bible about how sexual immorality is a sin or, and sex is reserved for marriage. And so they hear it, they read it, but they actually don't make any change in their life. And then they go on to kind of justify it, and they're like, well, you know, financially, it, it makes the most sense if we stay living together. And we've already been living together for a year at this point. And, and if we moved out but continued to date, it'd be kind of awkward to explain to people that we're still together, but we're not together, you know. And, and plus, we're getting engaged soon anyways, and then we'll get married after that. So at this point, does it even matter? Don't you see the enemy's influence and that kind of self-reasoning and self-justification. Because the Bible is clear that when we justify things, 
We make excuses. We, we reason within our own minds thinking, well, like, I know the Bible says this, but this is actually what I got going on in my life right now. The Bible's clear when we do that, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves thinking that we know ultimately better than the word of God. Right, and so that's what it looks like when someone, they hear the word and then they don't actually do it. And then in verse 25, James talks about this person who hears the word and then he acts on it. He does good works and this person gets it, right? They look into the mirror and they don't walk away and immediately forget what they look like. They, they look into the mirror, they examine themselves, and they remember. When we come across a passage like this, if we're honest, I think we all struggle with obeying the word at times. Because obedience is hard in a world that highly promotes sin every single day. And so the question I want to ask us this morning is when obedience is hard, what is it that motivates us? At the very core of our hearts, what is it that spurs us on to obedience? To answer that question, I want to flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Very end of chapter 6 in 1 Corinthians, it says this. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with the price, so glorify God in your body. The context of this passage, Paul, he's confronting, he's rebuking the believers in Corinth about sexual immorality that was going on within the church. And he's like, look, do you guys not understand? Have you so quickly forgotten? Your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells inside of you. Which means you are not your own because you were bought at a price. About a month or so ago, uh, my family and I, we went to uh, Shields here in Wichita when it first opened, and I'd never been to a Shields before, and I heard it was cool, and so we walk in, and it's kind of overstimulating, like there's a million different things to look at, and so we're walking through, and uh, we get into the sports section, and of course, we look at the chief stuff, and so um, we're, we're kind of looking around, and, and, and I see in this glass case, there's this football and it's a Super Bowl football, um, the most recent Super Bowl, and with the logo on it. And then it has Patrick Mahomes' autograph on it. And then right next to the football, it has the price of the value of the football. And it, if I remember correctly, it was $1,650. That's a lot of money. So since Christmas is coming up in a couple months, if anyone's looking for a Christmas idea for me, <laughs> uh, I just wanted to put that out there. So... And I'm looking at this football, and I'm like, man, this is crazy. Like, I'm, yeah, right, I like sports, it, but to me, it is crazy how much people will pay for an autograph, right? Something that Patrick Mahomes, for probably a second and a half, just scribbled his name on and then kept walking. And, and, and probably that football, I'm just estimating, probably was about $100, right, before he even touched it. But now the value of it, you know, rose exponentially, after his autograph is on there. And I was just thinking, I, I didn't buy it, of course, but I was just thinking, okay, if I had this football at home, 
I would not treat it like any ordinary football in my house. Okay, you can guarantee that I would not be tossing it around in the yard. I would first keep it away from my kids at all costs. I'd probably put it up, you know, up top in a glass case and, and, and to show people like, wow, you know, I have Patrick Mahomes' autograph on this football. It's pretty cool, huh? And, and, and so that's what I would do. I wouldn't treat it like any ordinary football because it's not ordinary. It has the greatest quarterback of all time's autograph on it, right? There's no debate even about that. I don't know why you guys are laughing. <laughs> you don't treat something with great value like it's ordinary. And Paul is making the same argument in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He's like, look, you are not ordinary. You were bought with a price. Like, do you understand, for those of us in Christ, in this room, we were purchased by Jesus' blood. We were purchased by him, by his blood. And by the way, his blood is far more precious than gold or silver or a billion dollars or a trillion dollars, far more than we can even imagine. Yeah. And so Paul's saying, look, because you are so valuable, you were purchased by God himself, you therefore cannot allow ordinary sin to dwell among you. Like, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. So therefore, you can't just do whatever you want. Right, you can, you can start to reason in your mind, right? like, yeah, but this is what I got going on in my life. No, Jesus says it's better to cut your hand off or your foot off or whatever it may be and to enter into the kingdom of heaven than to enter hell with a full body. Right, that's how serious Jesus took sin. That's how serious Paul's talking about sin in 1 Corinthians. He's like, do you understand? The spirit of God dwells inside of you. And because Christ loved us so much that he hung on a cross for us, purchased us by his blood, it is not acceptable to be just a hearer of the word. But we have to be a doer of the word as well. You guys, obedience to God is the proof that we love him. You got, and there's gonna be times. We, I mean, if you've been a Christian for a day or longer, we all know that obedience can be really hard. Sometimes it's easy, but sometimes it's really hard. And that's why we need to root our hearts in the gospel so deep that we won't just do these things out of obligation, but that we will be a doer of the word out of a love for the king who saved us. That is the answer to what should spur us on to obedience. It's the gospel. Understanding God's love for us, that we would not merely just hear this word, but that we would be spurred on to actually do it. I'm gonna go back to James chapter one, verses 26 through 27. It says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction 
and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James, he says, like, you can't just be a, a hearer of the word, but you've got to be a doer of the word as well. And then he lists off some examples. The first one, it says, you've got to watch your tongue. Such a bold statement. He's like, look, you can't be religious without guarding what comes out of your mouth, which is ultimately a reflection of the heart. He goes on to say, he's like, care for those who are vulnerable, care for the orphan and widows, and this isn't anything new, right? All throughout the Old Testament, God constantly tells his people, care for the orphan, the widow, the sojourner, the poor, people who are outcasts in the society, just because they go unnoticed by God does not mean they go unnoticed. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Just because they go unnoticed by people does not mean they go unnoticed by God, and therefore they shouldn't go unnoticed by God's people either, right? He says, care for them, visit them. He says, keep yourself unstained from the world. Do not love sin, right? When we come across temptation, we have to remind ourselves that he, he commands us to flee from it because it's for our own good, right? And the destruction always comes with sin. Obedience, it's hard. It's hard being a doer of the word sometimes, so past two weeks, uh, my family, we've been dealing with some illness um, within our own house, mainly our kids, mainly one kid. And so, um, uh, actually, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll come back to that. Back in April, we had a couple missionaries come up, and uh, we're sharing from Mohi. I believe they were the founders of Mohi, and uh, they shared during the service about what God's doing over in Kenya. And I believe, yeah, in the lobby we had, um, you know, cards with kids' faces on them and that you could, uh, you know, you take one to sponsor them and whatnot. And I remember, you know, real quickly in service, you know, Ashley, my wife, and I were like, okay, um, yeah, we, we should probably sponsor a kid. That'd be great. And so, um, but in my mind, I was like, well, Donnie, who is our missions director, his office is right next to mine. So I'll just grab a card from him this week, you know. Um, and, and so then it was like a month and a half later, I finally go to Donnie, and, and I say, hey, I said, do you still have those cards? That, you know, Ashley and I want to sponsor one of those kids. And he's like, actually, I just mailed those back to Mohi last week. But he's like, you can get online and sponsor, you know, one of the kids. And I was like, okay, great. So that conversation took place probably the beginning of summer. Um, it's the end of September now, and I still have not done it. And, and I, that came to my mind last week as I was studying this passage. I was like, man, I feel like multiple times it's came to my mind. I'm like, I know I need to do it. Like, I feel like it's something the Lord's been putting on our heart. And I've just continued to put it off. But it's so easy to put things off that the Lord's calling us to. So my question for you this morning is, what's something that you're putting off? Maybe something the Lord keeps putting on your mind, but you're just too busy, right? You make reasons in your head for not doing it, and you, and you keep telling yourself, okay, I'm eventually going to do it, but then you haven't. And the same with me. It's been like the last five months. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And, you know, it's something I think the Lord's calling us to do. Because it's so easy to read these things, read about, you know, widows and orphans, to, to, to read about the poor and the sojourner and be like, yes, God cares about this. I want to care about this. But if we're being honest, it's really easy to neglect. And I want to encourage us 
in the midst of this, God's still gracious, right? So back to my story now, my family being sick, which I know you guys are all dying to hear about. So um, for the past two weeks, I've uh, been dealing with some sickness, right, um, our kids. And uh, so starting, it was like two weeks ago, there was out of eight nights, five of those nights, uh, we were waking up with throw up in our house, okay? Uh, so fun time. So one of those nights stands out particularly to me. So I, I wake up, we had just gone to bed, it was early into the night, about 11.30, and my wife Ashley wakes me up and she says, hey, just so you know, Graham just threw up, and this is night two, right? And so it's not like brand new information, and she's like, you know, Graham threw up, and I cleaned it up, don't worry, I just want you to know that he's now sleeping at the foot of our bed so you don't like trip over him as you get up for work in the morning. I was like, okay. And secretly, I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, I'm glad I missed out on that one. So slept right through it, okay? Uh, a couple hours later, I think it's about 1.30 in the morning, Graham, my four-year-old son, comes over to my side of the bed, and he says, Daddy, he's like, I'm going to throw up again. I was like, oh, no. So, I mean, you just haul it, right, to the bathroom as fast as you can. And so I'm getting up, and we got to go around my bed, or around our bed and into the bathroom. And so we make it to the corner of my bed, Blah, right, just throws up right there on the carpet. I'm like, fantastic. And so, and then, so I'm like, okay, buddy, come on. And like, at this point, I'm carrying him and, and we're coming around and we're, we're, we're weaving our way through and, and make it to the hallway. Throws up all over the hallway. And when I say throws up all over, it's all over and it's disgusting. And I'm just like, okay. And I'm like trying to not step in it and still get to the bathroom. So, like, I'm carrying them and I'm doing like this number right here. And we go into the bathroom and I, the toilet seat's down. And so I'm like, all right, gotta get that sucker up. And so, and so I'm like trying, I'm like holding him and trying to get the seat up. He throws up before I get the toilet lit up. And so he throws up all over the toilet seat. And, and, you know, of course, by the time we're there right in front of the toilet with the seat up, everything's out of the system. So um, just time to go back to bed. So it's 1.30 in the morning, and there's like 30 minutes of cleaning. And, and we all know throw up is disgusting, right? It, 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 the look of it is disgusting, but I think the worst part is the smell. And I'm like, you know, it just makes you want to throw up. Do you, do you guys love how I'm getting your appetites up for the food trucks? And no joke, we actually just dealt with this last night. So I am like we're fresh on good sleep. And uh, yeah, this is, this is all fresh in my system. So not me, not me, my kid again. Um, so, and, and I was thinking about it the next day. And as I was studying this passage, and I was thinking, I was like, you know, right? Like that father-son, you know, relationship and then our relationship with our father, heavenly father. And I was like, there was not one time when Graham had made this huge mess throughout our house, not one time did it even enter into my mind that I loved him any less. You know, that, that, that I was like, oh, like, I don't know, I don't, like, is it, he's just my son, I guess. You know, like, there was, not, there was nothing in my mind at all like that. And thinking of this passage, right, and thinking about how imperfect we are as Christians, as disgusting as throw up is, our sin before a heavenly father is far worse. And yet he is still so gracious with us. You guys, the journey of a Christian, it is messy and it is far from perfect. And so as, as we're going through James chapter one and we're seeing, man, that it is so important. Do not disobey the word of God. I want to encourage you in the midst, 
of our disobedience and struggling with sin, and we're fighting it, right? We're trying to follow the Lord with everything we got. We all know we mess up at times. And I want to encourage us and remind us of how, God, how gracious God is in the midst of our mess and imperfections. I wanted to read Isaiah 54, 10. It says, For the mountains may depart, and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Man, I love that verse. Most of us have probably seen a mountain or a hill. It's like, it's really difficult. I mean, just the idea of that mountain being removed or departing, right? It's the impossible. But God's saying, look, even if the mountains may depart, even if the hills may be removed from its place, I want you to know that my steadfast love will never be removed from you. My covenant of peace that I have made with you, it, it shall not be removed. It shall not depart, says the Lord God who has compassion on you. The Lord is not cool with our sin. He's not cool with our disobedience. He corrects us. He disciplines us. He rebukes us. He uses the body of believers to hold us accountable to his word. And yet, at the same time, he is so gracious and compassionate on us. His love for us never wavers. And it's ultimately his kindness that leads us to repentance. So if you guys want to be, as a, if we all want to be motivated to be a doer of the word from the core of our inner beings at our heart and like, my oh God, Maybe this morning, you're, you know, you're just in a funk spiritually. Maybe you haven't touched the word of God in a while. Maybe you have and you're just not spurred on. I pray that the Lord does a work in your heart, that you would no longer read these words and that they would fall on deaf ears, but you would be moved by the word of God. If we're to be motivated to be doers of the word and not just to hear, we need to root our hearts in the love of God to remember what he has done for us and therefore not just do it out of obligation but to remember it's like, man, this is the savior who hung himself on a cross for us so that he could purchase us, redeem us, and buy us by his blood and therefore we are not our own. We're gonna have prayer counselors and pastors and elders come up and if you just need time to pray, just time to maybe confess, time to ask for prayer of saying, look, the, the Lord has been putting this on my heart and I feel like I've been neglecting it and continuing to put it off, just you know, come forward, right? There's people up here who will pray for you, who will encourage you in that. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your grace, for your compassion. God, I thank you that you, Lord, your love for us never wavers. I thank you that your steadfast love will not depart from us and that your covenant of peace will not be removed. And Lord, that you have compassion on us greater than we can comprehend. Father, I pray that we would be a church that would not be merely just listeners and hearers of the word, but God, that you would spur us on to action and obedience and to do what you've called us to do. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.